Hello listeners, one and all, you are welcome to this week's Totem Talks. I'm Mark Smith. I'm Helen Fruin. And today we are going to be covering the second part of coaching. So I don't think explicitly we said we'd make coaching a two-parter. We did not. However, last week's podcast on coaching has gone ballistic. Oh. For us, it's almost gone viral. It's crazy. <laughs> it's all relative. It's all relative, right? Okay, so, I mean, this is a business psychology podcast at the end of the day. So, you know, it's not exactly rocket science stuff. Um, so we thought we'd follow up with coaching for the coach. Uh, the, the coach. The coach, yes. I think. Well, although specifically for me, because I was doing a coaching course on Monday where the people who'd come along to that course that I was running were not really looking to be executive coaches, mm -hmm. but to use coaching in their roles, maybe as people managers, as people carrying out research in managing stakeholders, managing clients. So I thought today it might be interesting for us to talk about using coaching in our everyday working lives. Perfect. Now, just for clarity, mm -hmm. within Totem, you I, I described you as the senior coach mm -hmm. amongst the two of us. Um, that is because you tend to spend a lot of time coaching C-suite individuals. That's really your kind of happy place and that's where you're at. I'm a little bit more junior than that. So I'm currently about halfway through a psychology degree with counselling added onto it. I have done some coaching in a more informal environment. So we have slightly different uh, target markets, if you like, in that sense. But you've been doing this for a very long time, haven't you? But and also the the context of this conversation is not about those executive coaching mm. pieces. It's about how do I use the concept of coaching or the practical skills of coaching in talking to my stakeholders, talking to my clients, talking to my boss, talking to my team. And you have as much to offer to that conversation as anybody. That that is that is true. So uh, many years ago, I read the book The One Minute Manager by ken blanchard oh you're so good <laughs> at bailing me out i just plow into these things completely unprepared uh so ken blanchard wrote the one minute manager and i love that book because a it's really really thin and two because he does distill down my entire approach to management in about four pages and i've been using that approach to managing people for a very long time and it is effectively very very quick coaching mm. And I highly recommend that we all run out and buy the book again, even though he sold like a billion copies of the thing and just take on board some of his, his, his points. And I think you're right. I am a, I, I, I am feeling pretty awesome this morning. I've had three <laughs> macchiatos. So uh, I, I am quite a good manager of people. And anybody who disagrees with that, um, please get in touch. Give me your feedback. <laughs> Let's start straight off with talking about what we mean by coaching. Yes. In fact, I would suggest that we stop using the word coaching and start talking about asking more questions. Okay. Because that's what really this is about. As a manager, Isn't as a stakeholder. Isn't somebody, you know, writing a book entitled something similar to that? Yeah, not exactly asking more questions. How to get more of the results you want in life by having better conversations is generally the... Okay, cool. Anyway, yeah. sorry, sorry for the diversion. Slight diversion. Uh, so we're talking about asking more questions. If we get into some, oh, well, what exactly is coaching? And should coaching be like this? Or should coaching be like that? We get so distracted by that conversation. We mm -hmm. miss out on actually being more effective managers customer service people, whatever, influencers. Uh, so let's just focus on this is about asking more and asking better questions. So as someone who I would agree is a good people manager, 
what questions do you ask as a people manager that help you to make your team effective? What do you think? It's one of my favorites. That that that's pretty much <laughs> it. I mean, we could end the podcast right there. Um, yeah. What do you think? And I think the the, the tag on to that though is um, to not be precious about what the answer needs to be mm. that comes back. Um, I mean, the best example I've got is we did some, we were doing some design work for a client and uh, one of our employees has come to me and basically, I mean, not quite this simple, but it was, is it better in blue or is it better in purple? What do you think was the response? Because whilst I thought it was better in purple, the opportunity to empower my employee and to give her the confidence to begin making her own decisions more regularly presented itself. What do you think? She went with the blue. I wasn't terribly pleased about that because, I, again, I thought the purple was better. But for her development mm. and for me in future to just say, what do you think? And for her to then just disappear and do it meant that I was actually managing the smaller details a lot less because of that. And it was only for like really big, you know, stupid, strategic, you know, game changing stuff that we would actually have mm. the meetings and the need for there to be a manager employee relationship there. So what do you think is, is where do I start? And there's a lot in there about our beliefs as a manager. So the two things that I often hear is comebacks to that is, well, what if they don't do it my way? Mm -hmm. Just because it's your way doesn't mean it's the right way. Like you say, you preferred the purple, but did the purple make it more efficient to the client or no. mean that it had a better impact? You preferred the purple. Yeah. Your way of doing things is not necessarily the right way. Or the so, only right way, I think that would caveat. Yeah, yeah, really great. So we often talk about maybe there is a wrong way, maybe there are a few wrong ways. I mean, there are there some there wrong ways. One? Yeah. If your employee, if my, if, if, if my employee had come to me and offered me, you know, like a grim, sick coloured brown, I'd be like, no, nice. no, no, no. That is wrong. That is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But I love that idea that there is more than one right way. There is more than mm. one effective way of doing things. And so just to say, well, you didn't do it my way, therefore you did it wrong, it's too narrow. So we need to move away from that. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, what if the person comes back with something really ridiculous? So you do say, well, what do you think? And they say, oh, I think we should go with this lovely sick brown color. Actually, then the, the idea is not to go, oh no, well, I, I asked them what I thought. Now I've got to agree with them. You're still the manager or you're, you're still the customer service provider who can yeah. say, actually, no, that's not feasible. Let me explain to you why. Yeah. Uh, so using what do you think? One, we need to be aware that there is more than one right way to do things. And two, we need to be aware that if what the person says we're really unhappy with, we can still follow up with that. Yeah. And I think there was a little nugget of gold in what you just said there. You need to explain why. So that's always about communicating effectively whatever it is you're trying to achieve. And it's the why question. So, um, you know, when you're getting somebody on board with a particular project or you're trying to influence them to do something, why is this important to you? Why is this important to me? Why is this important to the client? And if you can just spread that out so you can get all people onto the same page, mm. It's very rare after that that then people come back to you with a completely left field solution and that's you know not appropriate at all for anybody. Mm. Great. But I'm also conscious of the word why. It, it, it can often put people on the defensive, particularly when you say, you know, why did you do that? Mm. Um, so the, the what question mm. can also be quite useful as well. 
Definitely. And and take the questions you've just asked and switch the word why for what. Mm. So what's important to the client here? Or what's important to our senior stakeholder? What's important to the business, whoever we're meaning, maybe the business is actually the city shareholders or yeah. the CEO. By asking what's important, we help ourselves and our colleagues think through what the priorities are, what the measures of success could be. And those are great questions to be asking. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, just to pull this back a little bit, I feel like we've wandered away from something. I had a I had a clear idea about what this podcast was going to be, but <laughs> clearly Helen's taken control of this one. <laughs> um, I, I was imagining there to be a bit more in there about coaching individuals through um, the life side of their work-life balance. So we talked okay. uh, a week or two ago about work-life balance. I don't like that. Um, and I was speaking to a psychotherapist uh, recently who said something similar in the sense that we're required to stop being who we actually are when we walk through the office door or we turn on the work Zoom. And if you've been having a bad day or you've got mental health issues or even if you don't feel comfortable in the outfit that you're wearing, that's going to have an impact on your ability to work during the day. So I was I was expecting there to be more talk around uh, managing the people side mm, of the human the, side. The, the hum, perfect. Thank you very much. The the human side of people within your sphere of mm. sphere of influence. And that's a really great challenge. So I guess if we think about this as how can I use coaching or asking more questions as a people manager, mm. what am I doing to check in on the well being of my team? How are you doing today? What's going well for you? Uh, what are your goals for this week? What challenges are you facing? sometimes people bulk against the idea of asking someone how are you feeling a lot of people are very comfortable ask answering the question how are you feeling if you're working with someone who looks like does not compute <laughs> uh, then you can ask you know what's going on for you what are you thinking about this uh, sometimes where each of us get on better with the feeling question or the thinking question um, but often I speak to a lot of people managers who are either very much in that space and, and sometimes think they go too far down the empathy route of how are you feeling and how's that going and oh gosh that sounds really difficult. Oh yeah the, uh, the frowny face question yeah the, yeah. the ooh. ooh tilt the head oh that sounds difficult. Yeah. Uh, so some people managers I speak to feel they go too far down the well-being and empathy side mm-hmm. and others feel like well I can't ask those questions that would sound intrusive or I have had people say, I don't really care. My comeback being, you should not be a people manager. If you don't care about the well-being of your people, seriously, why are you managing people? Uh, But if you're thinking, oh, maybe that's too intrusive, it's really worth challenging that and saying, as you've described, if you're uncomfortable in your outfit, if you're having a bad day, if you're not feeling confident about the work that you're doing, you're not going to do a good job. Mm -hmm. So we need to go into those well-being conversations thinking, I'm not doing this to be intrusive. I'm doing this to help you be your best self, to help you deliver your best results. And so we can ask questions. How are things going? How are you finding work? How are you finding working from home or getting back into the office, whatever the context is? Uh, And again, it's just introducing more questions into the conversation. Mm -hmm. Sorry, listeners, I was taking a slurp of coffee. So back to your your training course on Monday where you Mm. had uh, a fair few potential coaches in the virtual room. Mm -hmm. What was the key either takeaway or the common questions that sort of came your way that you had to field for the attendees? Mm, Okay. Uh, 
So in terms of key takeaways, and this is what happens on every coaching workshop, uh, is people saying how hard it is to just listen and not jump in and give advice. Mm. Uh, So there's a listening activity that we do where you you go through rounds of in the first round, I'm going to listen to you, but I'm going to speak over you and hijack the conversation. So you start talking about how you're finding your day and I jump in and go, oh yeah, my day's been difficult too, and just talk over you, which is actually a lot of the time how we converse we speak over each other a lot Uh, and then we move into really listening to the person in terms of listening to facts and then thirdly listening even more deeply for emotions uh points of emphasis and people come out of that exercise saying you know i really need to shut up more Mm -hmm. do the listening and ask questions instead of diving into i've done that before let me give you my advice let me tell you what i did yeah i think just quickly on that i would recommend the acorn listening course Mm. uh really powerful sort of six session course to develop your listening skills incredibly frustrating in the first two sessions as you just sit there on your hands and just nod but after a little while you get it you understand the power of just listening um and also the power of of somebody just being allowed to speak uh, interruption free and that that's a freeing experience for both people so acorn listening course link in the description below and thank you that was exactly the second point that came up consistently on monday was just how powerful it is to be able to articulate what we're thinking Uh, and here's a bit of brain science for you on the power of that so when we are dealing with something, an anxiety, a project that we're struggling to deal with, a client we're not sure how to work with, a colleague, a stakeholder. It's a problem and it just kind of sits in the back of our heads. It's in the emotional center of our brain. We're maybe struggling to sleep. We're feeling anxious. We could maybe put into words that we feel uncomfortable about that conversation, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. The more that we put our emotions into words, the more we activate the prefrontal cortex. This Mm -hmm. is the intelligent part of our brain where we get language, logic, problem solving, creativity, all of the great stuff happens there. When you help yourself or help someone else to articulate a problem and put more words to it, explain it, start thinking about what's really going on and what they could do about it, giving someone that space to articulate it, whether they're writing it down or saying it out loud, that in itself, you know, you might think, oh, well, then I've got to help them solve the problem. Mm. The number of people who will say that just articulating the problem for the first time helps them realize it's actually not that big a deal or they realize they already knew what to do about it. So there is a huge power in giving people that space to think. Yeah, I mean, and as a self-help tip, that's one of the reasons why making a list is really quite powerful. It's one of the reasons why my maps work so well and um, because you are, you're shoveling the issue from your, your amygdala your little lizard brain mm-hmm. that likes to run around and panic uh, in, in, into the, the place that, um, that can solve the issue. Absolutely. So even if you're by yourself, this is, this, this is a worthwhile tip. Mm. And I suppose leading on from that, it's helpful to talk about the GROW model as a, a useful structure. So if you're, if you're listening to this and thinking, okay, if I was going to ask more questions, if I was going to be uh, dealing with my customers and want to ask them more questions or dealing with my team, my colleagues, what kind of questions would I be asking? So the GROW model is the most infamous and widely used structure for asking good questions Mm -hmm. because it ultimately helps people articulate things and move towards a solution. Uh, So GROW GROW stands for goal, reality, options, and will. So goal, what what are you doing? What, What are you heading towards? What's your destination? 
reality what's going on now where where have you been where are you now what what have you already tried what's going on for you options what are the different ways you think you could solve this problem or reach your destination and let's weigh up the pros and cons of each of those options and then will what will you do when will you do it how can I support you uh when will you get started So that's a really simple structure. If you're thinking about wanting to use more questions in your everyday conversations, think about using some of those to get you started. Makes sense. So, I mean, I I love the GROW model. I really do. One of the issues I have with the GROW model is it can take a lot of time Mm. for you to plod through that with somebody. Um, I keep coming back to the one minute manager because whilst it is always quicker to just give an answer to your to your employee or the the person in front of you um enabling them to come up with that answer for themselves in the long term is going to be even quicker than certainly the grow model and certainly having to answer the question in the first place so uh, for me coaching is about empowering the other person to come to these conclusions for themselves and if you set um a fairly standard sort of response to some things and you enable the person in front of you to get to know you as well in terms of what your preferences are going to be like um and again communicating properly up front with all your stakeholders what the outcomes are then you can actually become a very hands-off manager Mm. and for me that's where a lot of people begin to thrive unless they specifically need hands-on stuff and then that's that's perfect because then i know exactly who in my team i need to give strict guidance to not because they're they're lazy or sloppy or anything like that because that's just how they work um so i can dedicate my my manager resources far more effectively Mm. that way and that's really about being a flexible people manager it's about being flexible in your approach to other people and allowing them to be flexible in their approach to you Mm. Uh, and that's where self-awareness comes back. It emerges. <laughs> Yet again. Yet again. Um, and it really is important, I think, in terms of understanding your contribution to the dynamic of a relationship, either between you and another person or you and a group of people. Uh, and that's where the the best people managers really sort of uh, seem to have a good skill set. Definitely. And to your point about flexibility... The, the grow model versus just the, the one minute manager approach of just basically saying, what do you think? Mm. This is about being flexible in what works best in which situation. Yeah. So do you think this should be purple or blue? Do you think I should put this priority first or this priority? Do you think I should go and do this? What do you think? Great. Going back to your point about well-being, if someone is struggling, if someone is honest with you about I'm really struggling to manage my workload. I'm really struggling to cope with work and life at the moment because home life is just crazy. Uh, The GROW model could be really helpful Mm -hmm. for you to take someone on a journey to think about, well, what outcome would you like? You know, are there there aspects of your job that need to change? Are there aspects of your home life that need to change? What, What outcome are you looking for here? What reality have you got? What's currently going on at the moment? And what different options do you have? And there's a great quote by Mary Engelbright. She's an illustrator and artist. She says, if you don't like something, change it. And if you can't change it, change the way you think about it. Mm -hmm. So again, as a manager, as a coach, what I can do is say, what can you do about this issue? Nothing. I can't do anything about this issue. My hands are tied. I can't do anything. 
well, if that's true, then how can you change the way you think about it? Because the, the alternative to changing the way you think about it is living in constant frustration. Yeah. Uh, uh, and as I approach my 40th birthday... Woohoo, it's exciting. <laughs> speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> as I approach my 40th birthday, there, you know, there, there are some things within that. You know, so I, I, it now takes me two days to get over a hangover. <laughs> there is nothing I can do about it. Absolutely nothing I can do about that, and it's only going to get worse. Apart from maybe the not drinking part. Well, why would that happen? Oh, okay. Good grief! Have you have you tried a gin and tonic recently? <laughs> they're, they're, they're lush. Um, but what I can do is change my mindset, and what that has done is I now accept a two day hangover. But to get to a two day hangover, it has to be a much higher quality evening that got me to the two day hangover. <laughs> If that makes any sense, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I've gone past drinking white lightning on a park bench somewhere. I am now strictly in the highball gin and tonic with a few, you know, olives. Classy. Classy. I'm class now. Mm -hmm. And that for me is worth a two day hangover. So again. Good for you in your decision making process. You, <laughs> <laughs> but again, consequences. Mm hmm you've got to change your thinking about it so and by changing my thinking about it i've actually changed my actions leading up to the two-day hangover because my hands are tired i've got to have a two-day hangover <laughs> most ridiculous example to give but uh, but point well made thank you very much thank you mate um it's always good to end the podcast on gin and tonic personally <laughs> <laughs> to go with my three macchiatos for the afternoon so perhaps indeed we shall end there. Yes, wise. With an encouragement to you, whether you are a people manager or thinking about how you can ask better questions to clients, stakeholders, your colleagues, your peers, your friends, your family, just try asking more questions. And yeah. like we've said, if you can't think, or oh, what questions should I ask? Try the just, what do you think? What do you think about this? What's going on for you? That's also a really mm. simple, powerful one. And if you feel like you're not getting much back, Try the absolute golden favourite of mine. Tell me more about that. Oh, I love that. Tell me more. Could you use... Some, I, I also like, can you use some more words? Oh, I often say, say more. Say, say more, more about say that. Say more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Use some more words. Use different words. Often, Ooh. yeah. Often people will get stuck in a little loop and start saying the same thing over... Like mm. literally the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, well, I didn't understand it the first time and I'm not stupid. So... <laughs> Please use more different words. Use different words to explain the situation for me. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, if you are a gin drinking person, enjoy a gin. If mm -hmm. you are not a gin drinking person, I apologize for the large volume of alcohol talk today. Enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>